Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast. Along with Aaron Fitt, I'm John Manuel. It's your Monday, College Monday podcast, and it's brought to you by ATEC. The Baseball America College podcast is sponsored by ATEC, the baseball training machine company. At ATEC, we're committed to delivering tools to coaches to help train and develop players. Visit ATECSports.com to learn about training machines that can help your, make your practice more effective and efficient. See training tips and practice drills from Vanderbilt head coach Tim Corbin and more on ATECSports.com. ATEC, win every practice. And those drills are also, uh, you can link to those off the BaseballAmerica.com website, Aaron. And our website, chock full of news and updates all weekend. If you are new to our college coverage, and also, obviously, if you follow baseball's draft, and that's why you want to find out more about college draft prospects, uh, the college blog is full of those all weekend. And this weekend, we also had uh, Connor Glassy with the news about Victor Roach's wrist injury. We'll talk about those kind of things. But this podcast is a little bit more focused on the actual top 25. So, Aaron, let's let's dive in right at the top. Florida remains the number one team in our rankings, uh, and, and the Gators go 4-0, including a win against a ranked team this week in a midweek game against Central Florida. But the news in college baseball so far, Aaron, is Stanford with a just a crushing sweep of Texas. Uh, mm. And I guess the big takeaway from this is there are questions about Texas's pitching – and not Texas's pitching, Texas's hitting ability, Aaron, and how, how good of a hitting team they're going to be. And Augie Garrido talked with you about that last week in the weekend preview. But there were also questions about Stanford's pitching – and boy, the, the Cardinal really pitched very well this weekend, starting with our number one draft prospect, Mark Appel, and a career high in strikeouts. But more impressively, almost with the other two left-handers they started this weekend, Brett Mooneyham and the freshman John Hoekstetter. Yeah, you're right. I mean, they needed to, you know, they needed to come out there, I think, and and uh, um, and, and show people that they could do that in the weekend rotation, um, because that was, you know, that was a legitimate question about Stanford. I mean, we had a scout's view last week about Stanford. Uh, where you know he said it was maybe the best college lineup he'd ever seen, uh, but he thought their pitching was just okay. And uh, you know, and and I don't know that this necessarily gives us a uh, a definitive answer to that question because, you know, like you said, I don't think Texas is very good offensively right now. I mean, I think eventually they will be competent offensively, like like they were last year. Um, I don't think they'll ever be better than competent, um, but. Uh, you know, right now they're, as Augie said repeatedly, out of character, out of sync, out of rhythm, um, trying too hard. And you know, when uh, um, they, they just, it just right now it's just not working, and they just got overwhelmed by Stanford. And, and you know, and while we're on the subject of Texas, I should add that um, the thing that that I think separates this year's Texas team from last year's, I mean, besides obviously they had Brandon Loy and they had you know they had other guys that they've lost, but. Last year they could make do with an okay offense uh, because their pitching was phenomenal. And right. this year I, I I don't think their pitching is phenomenal. I mean, you no longer you know without Sam Stafford that that gives you a little less depth and experience. You're, you're leaning heavily on freshmen and they're ta- they're talented freshmen, but uh, three of them got rocked in that 14 run inning on uh, on Sunday. And and you know they're going to have their ups and downs. That's what freshmen do. Um, 
and and you know, I just it, the arms that they have there, um, you know, they're good arms, but they're not Taylor Youngman arms, you know. I think that's a huge point, Aaron, and a great point to bring up. Taylor Youngman was really, really good at college baseball, and Cole Green was a senior who'd been drafted, what, in the fourth round? But yeah. those guys had uh, College World Series championship experience, not just College World, college world Series experience. They'd both, you know, been to the College World Series finals. I mean, those were those were really, really good college pitchers, and as good as Texas's recruiting class is, um, you know, it's just hard to replace that combination of talent and experience. So it, was, it, was a, it was a potent combination, I do think Texas, uh, you know, if there's anybody who's going to bring a team back from this, uh, you know, this kind of a start, it's going to be, you know, Augie Garrido. But I think the other point for, for uh, Stanford is just that, boy, Brent Mooneyham, looks like he actually threw strikes. Uh, he literally listened to his inner Wayne Graham uh, throw strikes. I mean, only three hits allowed. The guys that you, we, we wanted to see come through for Stanford, for them to be a great team, are guys like, I think we, we, we felt very confident that Mark Appel is going to be a very good Friday guy. Yeah. We felt very confident that Stephen Piscotti was going to be a real middle-of-the-order force. I mean, the guy's been a good college player already, had a great cape, and is really carrying that over. But we, we kind of wanted to see that out of Kane DeKroger, and we wanted to see that out of Brett Mooneyham. Those are two of the biggest enigmas on their roster, and uh, so far, so good for both those guys. I think that's a great way to put it. You know, DeKroger had a big weekend. Certainly, you know, like you said, Mooneyham throwing strikes has always been the question with Mooneyham. You know, he's got the ability. He's got the size. Uh, he's got to be more efficient, and he worked eight innings. So you know, that shows you that he was more efficient. He was able to get ahead in the count better, and uh, uh, well, that's huge for Stanford because you know um, their their whole their whole pitching staff I think is still trying to settle in a little bit. Everybody's still looking to find their roles. Uh, you mentioned you know Hawk Statter as as a guy that. Uh, Maybe it sees that Sunday spot because I don't think I think it's clear that AJ Venegas isn't the answer there. Um, and from what I've heard from people out there, he just hasn't he just hasn't looked very good. So maybe if you know maybe he can he can settle into a bullpen role uh, if, if Hockstadter can hold down that Sunday job. Yeah, it looks like like you said. I think that's a huge point is that AJ Venegas is a guy that we've you know we think very highly of of his talent, and I think Stanford does as well. You know, I think I think he has you know he, he the talent is there. But he's not getting it done right now. And you know, at Stanford, they've had a long line of guys who had a lot of talent who didn't get a lot of run because they didn't perform. And they're looking to go to Omaha. They're looking to win the whole thing. They're not there to uh, – it's, it's not the South Atlantic League. It's a very different approach. And yeah. there's nothing wrong with Stanford's approach in my mind as far as uh, not playing a guy who's not performing. I'm, you know, that, that's, that could be a whole other subject on, on, on criticism of college baseball. I'm a little – I'm a little defensive of it because it, I, expecting them to focus solely on development is ridiculous. It's not what right. they're there for. Um, but that's that's a whole other conversation and a whole other podcast. Let's stick in the Pac-10, Aaron, uh, because we I, I think uh, Pac-12, I should say, because Stanford's very interesting. But you were one of the series that you saw this weekend, or part of the series that you saw, was UCLA against Baylor, and uh, Baylor came in ranked 25th this week. UCLA was what ranked 22nd and had a really rough opening weekend against Maryland. Um, the Bruins bounced back this weekend in a battle of two Ursine teams. You had the Bruins over the Bears, uh, but it seems like the way that UCLA did it was almost important as the fact that they did do it. They scored some runs, Aaron, and yeah. uh, played a little bit less sloppily than they had the weekend before. You know, UCLA this year it has a much different identity than it had a year ago, and. 
Um, you know, we talked about this in the preseason, the top 25 capsules last year, you know, it was the Colin Bauer show and, and, you know, and they had other arms. I mean, when you've got Colin Bauer, the front of your rotation that allows you to have Vander take at the back of the bullpen and Zach Weiss is your midweek starter and Adam Plutko is your Sunday guy. I mean, your whole staff is just deeper. Um, now, you know, those three guys, uh, Plutko, Vander and Weiss, those, those are your weekend guys. And you've got, you know, you've got inexperienced guys in your bullpen. This team, I think its identity is going to be, uh, it's going to be a good offensive team and it's going to be an athletic, solid defensive team. Those were the two things we expected UCLA to do very well coming into the year. They did not do those things against Maryland. They were bad defensively. They just scored two runs combined in their two losses. Uh, but I think the last two days against Baylor, um, are a lot more, you know, like what you're going to see from UCLA. Yes, they scored some runs. I think I continue to believe that they're going to be a pretty good offensive team. I mean, I think their lineup uh, is pretty deep, um, you know, and, and uh, I thought it was very encouraging yesterday that facing a lefty, um, you know, UCLA, as usual, has a lot of left-handed hitters in its lineup, but they were able to beat uh, Brad Koontz because their, their right-handed hitters really came through for him. You know, and I think Pat Vileka is coming into his own. And, and uh, you know, Jeff Jelich looked really good this weekend. Uh, that's, that's, a, that's a key guy for them. He's got a lot of upside. And, you know, he's, he hit the ball hard repeatedly. Um, this, this team, I think, is, is uh, you know, they're going to win a lot of these, these kind of eight to, eight to six kind of games this year. And, you know, they'll, they'll win some low-scoring games too, I'm sure. But uh, it's not going to be like last year's UCLA team. I know everybody thought that because they didn't hit against Maryland, oh, it's the same old – thing here we go UCLA can't hit uh but they're going to be able to hit and and you know we have to give Maryland some credit I mean I think after week two it looks like Maryland might be kind of legit yeah I think I think that's the bigger up the the bigger takeaway it sounds like it sounds like UCLA is who you wrote they would be in the capsule I think you have to think pretty highly of Baylor Baylor's played uh, eight games already eight very competitive teams good programs uh, you know, Baylor stays in the top 25 this week at number 25, but you know, they got a win against TCU, uh, two and two this week against ranked teams, plus playing a team that was in regionals last year in Texas State, you know, basically the best program in the Southland Conference. Uh, you know, Baylor's, you know, I think you have to give Baylor a ton of credit for the schedule they've already played. Um, I haven't read the whole article, but I'm very disappointed. Sports Illustrated did a story about Baylor's uh, athletic department and the big uh, burst they're having now. You know, they had RG3 in the fall win the Heisman Trophy, and you know, they have Brittany Griner, this number one ranked women's basketball team. The, ba- the men's basketball team is better. You know, Steve Smith was good back when Baylor stunk at everything else. I hope that, I don't know if the article mentions Steve Smith and the Baylor baseball program and them getting Omaha in 2005, but, you know, Baylor's been good at baseball for more than a decade, and I know that in some ways, they're kind of the Georgia Tech or the UCLA. The team has had a lot, a lot of talent and not great national results. Maybe they've underachieved a few times, but they produce big leaguers, uh, guys like David Murphy, Jason Jennings, um, you know, Steve Smith, and Mitch Thompson, Steve Jonigan. Those guys, are, I guess I should call them Hoot because I've known them so long I can call them Hoot. Uh, but that coaching staff's been there for a long time. They've had a lot of success. Uh, I think Baylor baseball program uh, is getting a little shortchanged right now just because – uh, the other programs are getting all this attention. I, I hope that they're mentioned in the Sports Illustrated article, but I'm guessing they weren't. I respect them for going out there, winning their first six games, and losing two uh, games to UCLA, where, like you said, uh, the Bruins got the bats going. But uh, kudos to them. You know, Oral Roberts, TCU, Texas State, UCLA, those are all regional caliber teams year in and year out. So yeah. uh, pretty stout start. And then, of course, next week, they've got Irvine and Lamar coming in. So uh, Baylor baseball, I think, deserves a little uh, shout-out as well. It's the Baseball America podcast. Uh, with John Manuel and Aaron Fit. Once again, we're sponsored by ATEC uh, here on the Baseball America podcast this year. Uh, Aaron, uh, 
another team that we brought in from the Pac-12 this week. Uh, we have Oregon and uh, coming into the rankings. Uh, Oregon State drops out. Arizona and Arizona State uh, both remaining kind of uh, status quo in the rankings, uh, moving up a, a spot or two. But Oregon's kind of the big story, and they go all the way to Nashville. So they go cross-country. They, they win four games, winning one against Belmont, and then sweeping a weekend series against Vanderbilt. I think this says a lot about Oregon and a lot about Vanderbilt. Let's start with Oregon. Let's start on the positive tip. Um, are the Beavers – are the Beavers – are the Ducks kind of in that same boat as UCLA in that – their reputation is that they're not going to hit, but they're a little bit more of an offensive team on paper this year than people maybe give them credit for. I like how you put that. I think that's I think that's true. I think that uh, you know Oregon is is a team that we thought would hit a little bit last year and didn't, um, and, and I think we're starting to see now some of the guys uh, you know that that have that have the ability are new it. You know, and I think Ryan Healy is a big part of that, you know, giving them a presence in the middle of the lineup. And this was a guy, John, that you loved out of high school. I think you I ranked him. I love Ryan Healy. That's right. Thank you, Tommy Heinsohn. Uh, you, you ranked him uh, number one in the, in the Cal Collegiate League. Um, you know, as a as a rising um, freshman at Oregon. So I mean, this is a guy with talent, uh, and uh, you know, and he's starting to do it. And, and Aaron Jones, uh, you know, an athletic catcher that I really like. Um, you know, who's uh, who's had a big weekend for them, and uh, you know, he, he's 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 a good player. He can run. He can he can swing the bat. Uh, you know, he's he's come into his own. Um, you know, Scott Heineman, uh, you know, we didn't talk about when talking about UCLA. I think Tyler Heineman has been really a key for, for them. Um, and, you know, their, their catcher who's just does a really good job behind the plate blocks and throws really well. And, and it kind of gives him a spark out of the two hole. Uh, his brother, Scott is, is now a freshman at Oregon. Um, and he's leading the team to hitting and, and, uh, you know, again, giving them a really nice spark. I mean, those two guys can play baseball. I mean, they, you know, they, they've got a, they've got advanced instincts for the game and, and, uh, you know, and, and they can swing. So, you know, I think I think those guys and JJ Altabelli certainly um, is is really the best. I think the best player on Oregon's team. I mean, he's moved over to shortstop this year and he's been able to handle that move. Um, and he's you know he's still hitting. And uh, um, you know, I, I think I think you're right. I think this is a better offensive team than than expected. Um, and it's because those players you know that have had the ability are now starting to put it together. And so far, they're overcoming some of the injuries they've had in their pitching staff. Uh, it does seem like they have some some you know some depth to their pitching staff. We've got one of their bigger recruits, uh, Billy Flamion's pitching a little bit. I think we might see uh, Ryan Healy pitch a little bit. You got Joey Housie right now pitching out of their bullpen, whose uh, dad is a scout, a uh, baseball guy. Guy, there, there's some expectations for Joey Housie uh, pitching pretty well out of their bullpen. But right now it's really like Jimmy Shurphy. Is it? Am I pronouncing his last name right? I remember him being a pretty big deal recruit, uh, Aaron, and he has just been lights out of their bullpen, kind of. Uh, in that same kind of Scott McGuff role from a couple of years ago. Right. Yeah, that, that's right. And, and you know, I, I actually I worried a little bit about their pitching depth. You know, they, they lost, of course, Christian Jones right before the season. Uh, they lost, you know, the two freshmen, Cole Wiper and Sam Johnson. And, you know, it, it seems to me like they're going to need some other arms to step forward. Um, you know, right now it, it's it's fortunate that, that Jake Reed and Brando Tesser and Alex Cadell have pitched well in, in the weekend rotation. Um, you know, I like those guys. I think those guys are pretty solid. But, um, you know, the depth in the bullpen and, and when it comes to, comes time to – I will say this. They won, they won five games last week. You know, they, right. they won the, the, uh, the, the fourth game of the Hawaii series on Monday. They, they flew across to, to Nashville and, and beat uh, Belmont on Thursday. And then they, you know, won three games at Vanderbilt. I mean, you've got to have some depth to do that. That, that's, that says a lot. That's, that's a hard thing to do. I, I agree. I, I have similar concerns about their pitching depth, and it is early – but that was why I was a little bit bullish on them 
uh, I think we can let people know the rest of us on the staff are a little bit more bullish on Oregon in the rankings maybe than you were um, because you have those questions about their pitching staff. And that that's a good example of, of a good reason to be bullish about their pitching is that they, they pitched well even in a five-game week. And, uh, you know, we'll see if they can keep that up. Uh, the trick will be keeping that up. Flipping to Vanderbilt, though, Aaron, uh, are we pressing? I guess the, the Commodores fell out of the top 25 this week. And not, not just that they've lost both their weekend series and have not won a game. Their only win is against Oakland. But it's the manner in which they have played. They, they're not just losing. They're losing and kind of losing ugly. Uh, what's your takeaway on the Commodores this early? Uh, what, what's the, what is the deal with those guys? Well, this is a team that we thought, you know, would be better in, in May than, right. than in February. I mean, we ranked them number 10 in the preseason, not because we thought they'd necessarily come out of the gate playing like Penn team, but because we, we expected by the end of the year that that's the kind of ability that they have. But we also acknowledge that it's, you know, it's a high-risk, high-reward team. I mean, we said that in the preseason. We did. Uh, you know, this is a team that if, if all those those arms mature, uh, you know, Kevin Zomek and Sam Selman and, and Tyler Beatty, uh, if those guys can handle weekend rotation, that 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 rotation has a ton of upside. Um, but uh, you know, but it could take some time. It could take some adjustment. And right now, um, the thing that surprises me more than this, you know, I'm a little surprised by how their pitching staff has struggled. But more than that, I'm surprised by how poorly they've defended. Um, right. Know, this they're team, just, they're, uh, they're not playing crisply right now. Yeah, they're fielding they're fielding 940 as a team. Um, and you know, it's just, you don't expect that from Vanderbilt and you know, they're a team that always plays good defense. They're just so well coached. They're so drilled with on, 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 fun, on the fundamental things. Um, and, and the errors have really hurt them. And, you know, they're just, like you said, they're not playing crisply. Um, they're not hitting either. I mean, with the exception of, of Anthony Gomez and, and Mikey Stremski really, but, uh, yeah. they're not doing, they're not doing anything well. And, and, you know, they're one in six and, and they've just, you know, to, to get swept at home by Oregon. It's one thing to get hammered on the road at Stanford. Stanford's really good, but to get swept at home by Oregon, uh, um, you know that that's that's not good. Uh, you know that, that's why they got they dropped all the way out of the rankings. Yeah, and the thing that uh, had to be mind numbing for the coaching staff and for the players on Sunday, because Jimmy Scherf, he was you know he threw 65 pitches. He's, he's had some strikeouts, but he also walked five. Vanderbilt walked no. 10 times on Sunday. They left 13 runners. Um, that had to be a, a hard pill to swallow when you feel like the opposing team is letting you back in to avoid a sweep and you can't avoid it. And that's kind of where Stanford, uh, where Vanderbilt was uh, this weekend. That's the Baseball America podcast with John Manuel, Aaron Fitt. Uh, the podcast is sponsored by ATEC, the baseball training machine company. ATEC is committed to delivering tools to coaches to help train and develop players. Visit ATECSports.com to learn about training machines that can help make your practice more effective and efficient. See training tips and practice drills from Vanderbilt head coach Tim Corbin and more on ATechSports.com. ATech win every practice. I wonder if that's going to change, if that ad copy will change, if, <laughs> if Vanderbilt doesn't get off the schneid here, Aaron. Let's stick in the SEC. Um, a lot of status quo. Again, Vanderbilt uh, out of the rankings, but Florida uh, wins its weekend series. I guess the news with the Gators uh, is Karsten Whitson. Uh, I guess we're going to uh, – it sounds like he's had a little groin uh, – a good, good groin injury, as Sam Malone once rapped on Cheers. Um, this is a team that has the depth to overcome that, but clearly Florida's not Florida for me, Aaron, if they don't have Carson Whitson on that weekend, he's, he's one of the big difference makers for them. I, I know it's a deep team, but Carson Whitson's Carson Whitson. Uh, how concerned are you about that? Well, it sounds like what happened was he, he was kind of nursing a groin injury in the fall and maybe didn't build up his arm as much. And so, um, you know, they did take him out with, with 
arm tiredness was, I think, the phrase that they used. Um, so, you know, that anytime you hear that, a guy leaves a start after, you know, two-thirds of an inning, and I think I heard reports that his velocity was down considerably. Uh, yeah, that's a concern. I mean, you know, they're 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 downplaying it, but I'm concerned. Um, you know, we'll see. We'll see how how they do. I mean, I, Florida obviously has the depth to overcome this if it's just a temporary setback. But you know, if if he's if he ends up misses, missing significant time, um, you know, that's a blow. I mean, this guy's a preseason All American and a first round pick. You know, it's you don't just replace those guys that easily. And they play the U this weekend, so I think it's going to yeah. be a big challenge uh, to see what the Gators do. Who's the most likely person to step into that weekend rotation? Would it be Jonathan Crawford, uh, yeah, Daniel maybe. Daniel Booby Gibson? Uh, who's who's the most likely guy to step in there? I think Crawford makes a lot of sense there. I mean, he pitched very well in a midweek start. Um, he's got good stuff. I mean, I think the fact that he could hold his stuff over four or five innings uh, in that midweek outing was encouraging. Um, that would be my, my prediction, but I, I don't know for sure. And, and you, again, with Steve, it's Steven Rodriguez kind of finish out that game for them uh, with, what, three and two-thirds very good innings. I mean, he's right. obviously experienced and kind of knows what he's doing and is very, very good uh, at baseball. South Carolina, I mean, Aaron, the scouts aren't going to say this, but does South Carolina have the best rotation in the country, best pitching staff in the country, the way they're uh, – the, the, the start they've gotten off to, or am I yeah, going a little too strong? Maybe. I mean, it's – you know, I, I think if Whitson's at full strength – I probably would still take Florida, uh, but it's close. You know, you could have a legitimate conversation about that. You know, Michael Roth is just outstanding. I mean, he left after seven hitless innings on Friday. Um, I think Matt Price has adjusted very well to that Saturday role. He's been very good two weeks in a row, uh, better this week than last week. Um, and, you know, certainly you've got Colby Holmes as a, as a very solid Sunday guy. You know, he's he's, he's maybe he's not, he's not Whitson as far as stuff goes, but uh, he's solid. Here's your um, stat of the week for the uh, Gamecocks. 54 innings pitched so far, 37 base runners allowed, 18 hits. They've allowed 18 right. hits, Aaron. That's Opponents crazy. are hitting 102 off South Carolina through six games. And, uh, you know, Elon's pretty good. <laughs> you know, I mean, this is no slouch program. That's a, that's a regional team most It's a years. good program. I don't, think it's, I don't think it's a regional team this year. Right. Uh, but, right. you know, I think they're still they're – still, Top half of the SoCon and VMI uh, is scrappy. I mean, they're they're scrappy. Yeah. They're not. They're very. They're well coached. Uh, this is a team that had a Corey Spangenberg a couple of years ago. I mean, they they know what they're doing up there. Is what I'm saying. This is not. Uh, they're not playing. You know, uh, Division two teams here or bottom of the barrel teams. They're not playing. It's not Baylor's schedule. That's a pretty representative schedule though for South Carolina, and they're just sure. annihilating these teams uh, with their pitching and their defense. It's it's pretty impressive. It is impressive. South Carolina just, you know, keeps on plugging along here. And I, I got to feel like, you know, they're playing a lot better than Clemson heading into that series next weekend. Um, you yeah, know, you read my Clemson, mind. Clemson has been sloppy, uh, making a lot of errors. South Carolina has been very, very tight, it looks like, defensively. Uh, very, very, uh, very good. You know, I mean, just, <laughs> just I think Joey Pancake has settled in. I mean, we were worried about, well, not worried about, but we were, you know. That we was were, a question. We were curious to see how their whole middle – of the diamond would play out. Uh, and so far, so good. Gotta love Joey Pancake. Uh, Arkansas loses a game this weekend to Valpo, but uh, obviously wins the series. Georgia uh, off to a great start. Uh, you know, I think the Bulldogs, we, we were pretty high on the Bulldogs coming into the year. The big story in the SEC, obviously, Aaron, is LSU. Not only does LSU uh, lose a series, it's the first BCS school that Appalachian State has beaten 
in a weekend series, and they don't play too many BCS schools, but for App State, and I'll have this, whether I ha- write it up today or tomorrow, uh, we haven't figured that out yet, but I did talk to Coach Pollard at App State this morning, and Aaron, this is just a, you know, this, the, for App, from App State's standpoint, this is kind of a validation of a program that's won 30 or more games. You know, they had not won 30 games since 1986, Hmm. And then, and when they were coached by a guy named Jim Morris, but not you know not 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 this Jim Morris, you know, a different Jim Morris, not the one at the University of Miami, but uh, they had not won 30 games in a season since that Jim Morris, the other Jim Morris back in 1986. Now they've won 35 years in a row. So Coach Pollard's done a really nice job. They've had a couple guys drafted. Zach Quaid, a closer, was there a couple years ago in the in the Rays organization. It's already reached double A if memory serves. So they've had, you know, they've made a little noise and they won 38 games in 2010. So this has been kind of building for them. But for LSU, I think the bigger concern is App State can pitch. They they return a lot of pitching. They were very bullish on their pitching and defense. But uh, LSU only scored five runs the whole weekend. Mm. Um, It's a pretty big series loss for for the Tigers. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's pretty surprising. You know, you you're at home against, like you said, a, a team that has never, never beaten a, a BCS team in, in a weekend series. Uh, you know, LSU. We never thought they were going to be a great offensive team. Uh, we thought their pitching would carry them, and they did pitch well the first two days. They, they did do. not pitch well on Sunday. Um, but uh, you know, are, should we be worried about their offense now? Is the question. I mean, and, and I think the answer is maybe a little bit. I mean, you got to give Ryan Arrowwood credit. He pitched very well on Saturday for App State. But I mean, two hits for for LSU against him in seven innings, uh, boy. I mean, you know, they. That's I don't know what surprise. to say. I don't know what to make of that. It's a surprise. Yeah, and, and the thing is, uh, you know, talking to Coach Pollard, uh, he said, you know, Kevin Gossman and Aaron Nola were great on Friday. Gossman was up to ninety five in the sixth inning. Um, you know, he was he sat at ninety ninety five. He was basically there uh, deep into the game. Uh, had a uh, what Coach Pollard called a major league changeup. Aaron Nola had a good slider to go with his fastball and changeup, so he was dominant in the last two innings. And they said that Ryan Eads was tremendous on Saturday. You know, they scratched one run off Ryan Eads, and, and they made it hold up. But, uh, yeah, LSU did not hit. He didn't talk about any of LSU's hitters, and I don't blame him because uh, LSU did not hit this weekend. I, I think some of that credit has to go to App State because they do pitch. They, they are experienced, but – you know, LSU, Aaron, uh, they lost. They weren't a great offensive team last year. They lost their by far their best offensive player. And I think we were looking for bigger things out of Jacoby Jones. He's three for 20. He did not even start mm-hmm. on Saturday. Um, you're looking for maybe a little bit more out of some veterans like a Grant Dozer, uh, Raph Rhymes. Is it Rafe Rhymes or Raph? Rafe Rhymes. Rafe Rhymes, great name. Uh, Tyler Hanover. You're looking for a little bit more out of some of those veterans. Uh, haven't really gotten it yet. They've got two home runs as a team. I'm I'm a little concerned about their uh, about their 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 bats and they got a lot of strikeouts. So we'll this see how that team, goes. This is a team that you know I wondered in the preseason if we had them too high because this is a team that that didn't score too well on our on our you know our internal grading system uh, the fit matrix if you will. Uh, um, I will. I don't know if anybody it, else will, but I sure will. Yeah, I mean it's the team that that, that you know that was supposed to be one of those teams where the the sum is greater than the parts. Right. Um, but uh, right now, that hasn't been the case. I think, to, for me, the thing that I was bullish on was that that weekend rotation. The more I read up on Ryan Eads, the more I was like, wow, Gossman and Eads, yeah. not going to be a lot of teams that can match up with them Friday and Saturday nights. Um, and, and that's been true. Those two guys have been tremendous, but you've got you know, to score some runs. 
Yeah. Um, it's the Baseball America podcast. We're probably running a little bit long here, Aaron. A um, couple of new teams in the top 25. We mentioned Oregon. Um, who else? We uh, well, well, we brought Cal in State Cal State Fullerton. That's one of their teams that you were at. Boy, the, the Titans, uh, you know, give Rick Vanderhoek credit. Boy, I want to talk about both actually their their current coach, Coach Vanderhoek, and then their former coach, Dave Serrano, because out of the top 25, Tennessee – is after this great start. Let's start with the with the Titans because we brought them in at number twenty. Uh, they lost the series at Florida, but were very scrappy last weekend. They win a series against a depleted but still a, a talented TCU club. Uh, I, the thing I like best about Fullerton's weekend is uh, they're really competitive on the mound, even with all the inexperience that you detailed, both out of the fall and coming into the spring. Uh, who's getting the job done for them on the mound? Uh, to keep them so competitive with these other teams that, that you know, have thrown uh, arm after arm against them. Yeah, it starts certainly with, you know, Dylan Floro, who gives them a really legitimate number one guy on Fridays. Um, and I thought it was telling on Friday that, uh, you know, when Floro started to run into a little bit of trouble uh, in uh, in the eighth inning, I believe it was, against TCU, um, you know, Vanderhoek just stuck with him. I mean, he's the guy. He's, you know, he's the best pitcher on the staff. He's the most experienced pitcher on the staff. Um, and he was going to let him pitch out of that jam. And, you know, that, it helped that Floor had been very efficient and his pitch count hadn't been that high. But, um, you know, he's he's the guy for Fullerton. And after that, they're still piecing it together. On Saturday, you know, they got, they got uh, a solid outing from the freshman, Kenny Matthews, who's a you know, he's got a really good arm. I like him. I mean, he's he's a, he's a loose, athletic lefty. Um, the fastball moves all over the place, but it, it's funny. He doesn't always know where it's going. I mean, Vanderhoek pretty much tells him, just throw it down the middle, because sometimes it's going to move arm side, sometimes it's going to move glove side, but he doesn't know where it's going to go. Um, you know, so, uh, but but he's got a lot of life. He's got a good feel for a changeup. Uh, and then, you know, they followed with, with Kobe Ghana after that, and uh, another freshman that uh, has been good two weeks in a row now out of the bullpen relieving Matthews. So, um, you know, those are the those are the, the top guys, really. And, and then, um, you know, Michael Lorenzen worked kind of an adventurous ninth inning on Saturday. Right. Um, and they, they allowing the, the the frogs to load the bases with nobody out. And then he got out of it with a strikeout and a double play. Um, you, you know, you might see some adventure, some kind of saves from uh, from Lorenzen because he plays a position and, you know, he's, he's a position player first and foremost. But boy, the arm is electric. I mean, it was ninety four, ninety six this weekend and he showed you a. You know, a really uh, a, an interesting hard slider that he used to get one strikeout. I mean, it's it's an inconsistent pitch. He doesn't always throw it where he wants to, but um, you know, it's there. So there's some there uh, there. It sounds like with him yeah. on the mound, and then I guess they kind of hung on for dear life in the in the Sunday game. Yeah, uh, that took a long time. I mean, were they were they stepping out in the uh, <laughs> taking their time in the bottom half of the eighth inning to get to that time curfew? I have to imagine that they were, but I I was at UCLA Sunday, so I didn't see the Sunday game, but. Uh, that, yeah, I mean, that was what a wild game that was. But, you know, I think Fullerton's going to have some games like that on Sundays, and so will TCU. I mean, TCU is another team that we expected, you know, the the offense would carry TCU early while its pitching kind of got its feet underneath it. And, uh, the, you know, it's it's the problem with that plan is that they've been banged up on offense. You know, they didn't – obviously, they were without Jansen Witte for the first, you know, several weeks of the season at least. Um you know, he's a really good underrated player for them at third base. They've been without Kevin Crone. He's got a back injury. Um, you know, they've been without Brance Rivera, who was, a, you know, if you recall last year, had a great first half and was yeah. a, one, of, one of our midseason All-Americans. Um, you know, he's, a guy, he's got a hip flexor. Um, you know, they've been without uh, – it's, it's just, you know, it's been hard for them. I mean, um, so it's it's, you know – 
it's not the team you're going to see later on. So I don't know what quite what to make at TCU. I think that their pitching is, you know, is, is just okay. Kind of like what we thought it would be coming into the year. I mean, Andrew Mitchell's a stud on Fridays, but after that, you know, it's, uh, they're, they're still trying to figure it out. I mean, they've got some, some pretty good arms in the bullpen. Um, you know, Brandon Finnegan, the left-hander, I think has got a really good arm, um, but uh, hasn't been quite as, as good as, as polished a strike thrower. Um, here in the spring as he was in the fall. So he's, he's, a, he's a kind of a key guy to figure it out for him. And then Aaron, you know, the, the, going back to the Titans and their former coach, uh, you know, Dave Serrano, at Tennessee, not a team that we were really expecting great things out of this year necessarily, but a 7-0 start for the Volunteers. I think you got to be pretty encouraged by the way that they've come out, just considering the, the frustrations they've had the last couple mm. of years. It's always better for a team to start off 7-0 uh, than not, but uh, right now they've got a. Yeah, uh, it is, and yeah. Seton Hall is a yeah Seton Hall. I mean, you know, Seton Hall is a good team to beat too. I mean, you know, it's a uh, a team that won the Big East tournament last year, and they had a couple of guys back from that team, especially in the mound. And um, you know, it's a it's a, it's a quality series series win for Tennessee, and I think they're going to build some confidence, and we'll learn a lot more about them next week at the Minute Maid. Uh, you know, that that's when they really get tested, but. Uh, you know, I think it's it's very encouraging that Drew Steckenrider is off to a really good start, um, both on the mound and with the bat. You know, he's hitting in the middle of their lineup. He's hitting 450. He's got a couple of home runs, and uh, you know, and 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 he's he looks like he's been throwing strikes generally on the mound too. So, uh, you know, he's certainly the key guy for them. I mean, he's got so much ability, uh, and it looks like maybe he's he's turning that corner. Yeah, I, he he's the guy. I mean, first of all, his name is awesome. Uh, second of all, he was a big deal recruit. And, and, you know, third, he's a two-way guy. So they have you – know, he for them to be competitive this year and more representative of what they want to be, uh, he's got to have a big year. Uh, Aaron, a couple other things in our, in our, in our, we should talk about in the top 25. We mentioned Clemson a little bit earlier. They play South Carolina coming up. Let's touch on the ACC real quick. Uh, North Carolina with a uh, much more convincing weekend this weekend against Wright State than they played against Xavier. Maybe that says a little bit more about Xavier than it does about the Tar Heels, but uh, Colin Moran hitting for their natural cycle. Actually, we have a, a question on Twitter uh, from, let's see, it's uh, Michael Hollowell, who I believe is a, uh, he, he is a, the UNC baseball equipment manager. I knew he, I know I, I knew Michael, um, but before Colin Moran Saturday, any recollection of who had the last natural cycle in college baseball? Mm. I don't have any recollection of that, but it does make me remember um, going to a triple A game and seeing Mike Rivera hit for the out cycle and that he made an out at every base, huh. um, including getting thrown out of home. He got thrown out on the bases twice by Jason Tyner, who I believe was kind of the definition of a rag arm. Yeah, uh, right. So, so I, I know I've seen someone hit single, double, triple home run and hit for the natural cycle that way, which is what Michael's referring to. Um, but I've, I've even seen an out cycle, uh, which is, just doesn't happen every day. Uh, that, uh, that is the only time I can ever remember seeing the out cycle, which I think is, uh, is actually more rare and cooler the natural cycle. Um, but North Carolina, I guess the big news is that North Carolina pitched really well. And the one guy I wanted to mention there was R.C. Orlin, the left-hander Aaron. Yeah. Had a nice cape. He's been kind of a, I don't know about a moment of truth guy, but he's been a, a key moment lefty out of their bullpen the last couple of years. But he went four innings uh, this weekend in relief. They've gone young in their weekend rotation, but Munnelly pitched better this weekend. Then they have Orlin. Uh, I, I know they started two freshman opening weekend. I kind of feel like the more the year goes on, they might go with more of the veterans as, as things progress. I think you're right. Yeah, I think you know Munley moving back in the rotation makes sense, um, and, and he pitched very well. And you know I like RC Orland quite a bit. I mean he, uh, you know, 
I've seen him run it up in there into the low 90s before. I, I saw him uh, a couple of weeks ago before the season started when I was in, in Chapel Hill, and he was kind of you know sitting high 80s, but it was a really, really sharp curveball, 75, you know, 78 miles an hour with hard hard break on it. Uh, he's got a change up too, so it allows him to go you know deeper into, into an outing like that and, and you know see some right-handed hitters. He's not just a left-on-left guy. He's, he's, he's a good pitcher and a nice weapon in their bullpen. Yeah, and so far he's gone nine innings this year with one walk, ten strikeouts, and hasn't allowed a run. Um, the other, I guess, so far, like we said, we got Miami in the ACC that's going to get really, you know, a big challenge next weekend from Florida. Uh, we mentioned Clemson, which so far not playing terribly crisply, but they did come back and win a series against Maine. Um, Florida State, Aaron, uh, winning a big series against Florida International again. Kudos to to the Golden Panthers uh, for going on the road in consecutive weekends at Rice and in Florida State. Not a lot of teams playing a schedule that tough. Um, but that was a, what we thought would be a really offensive series, and both teams pitched well. Yeah, you're right. That was uh, a little bit of a surprise. You know, th- there were a couple of low-scoring games there on, on Saturday and Sunday. Um, and, you know, Florida State, I wonder if I wonder if they had a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, you know, because they, they had given up a bunch of runs their first four games. Games. Um, and, you know, I bet they felt like they had something to prove. Um, and, uh, you know, they've, they've got some interesting young arms in that freshman class. They, they started a freshman, Brandon Lee Brandt, on Friday. That's Charlie's son, of course. Yep. Um, and he didn't pitch He didn't pitch so well on, on Friday. But, um, you know, Mike Compton did pitch well, I think, for the second week in a row, if I recall. I think you're right. Um, and, you know, I mean, so those, those guys are going to be key. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's a younger staff. You know, they, even coming into the year, um, they didn't know how their, their roles were. We're going to shake out. I mean, they were talking about using Hunter Scantling as their Friday guy. They talked about using him in the bullpen. Uh, you know, same with Brian Bush. I mean, these guys were, you know, Robert Benincasa. Um, I think they, they wound up deciding that they like all those guys in the bullpen, and, and that kind of worked well for them on Sunday uh, where they got five innings out of Peter Miller, and then it was Bush and, you know, Mack Waugh and, and Hunter Scantling and Robert Benincasa. The veterans kind of took it home from there. So, um, you know, I, I think that formula works. We obviously believe in the value of a strong bullpen. Um, we've talked about that a lot in the past, and I guess that's how Florida State is going to play it as well. Yeah, I think that, I think you're right, and I think uh, you got to give again one thing to keep on to just to keep in mind as you're evaluating the Seminoles this year. If you're a fan, is this is not the same Seminole pitching staff. This is not Jamie Shoup getting everybody. And no offense to Coach Shoup, uh, for a long time they were very successful, but. And one thing we constantly heard from pro scouts was, and it's borne out, there are not a lot of Florida State guys you know, who are pitchers who are in pro ball. For a while there in the 80s and 90s, Florida State was really cranking out pro prospects. Paul Wilson, Jonathan Johnson, uh, Mike Loin, uh, Richie Lewis. You know, in the 80s and 90s, uh, Florida State was really known for that. Haven't been known for that for more than a decade. It's really more sinker slider guys. Yeah. Um, and, and that's you know now that that approach is changing. I think with a different pitching coach. So there's a lot of time to to bear out whether that's going to work or not. But uh, the one thing we know that's going to work for them is James Ramsey is a badass. That guy is awesome. Uh, Eleven for nineteen so far. He scored fifteen runs. He's got thirteen walks. His slash line right now is five seventy nine seven sixty five. 11:05. So, three home runs already. Uh, you know, Maine has uh, gotten off to a nice start. They've played uh, Clemson tight, and who, I forget who they played in the first week of the that's year. That's it. Clemson was their opener. Oh, that was their opener. That's right. So they played Clemson very close, and they'll go to Florida A&M this week, and then they got Florida State next weekend. So, uh, we'll see. If, uh, I think Florida State will remember Maine uh, from <laughs> from what they did with Clemson. I have to make a history joke if i possibly of course can. of course so you do i think it's very loose for me to call that a joke 
Aaron, who outside the top 25 uh, kind of popped on the radar? And what was the uh, maybe if there's an impressive weekend series to you that uh, that jumped out? Um, I know that uh, I'm already blanking on who beat UC Irvine two out of three. Washington, yeah, the that's U-Dub. That was one that really jumped out to me. Was this has been a program that's been down for a while, and now the the Huskies uh, going and winning a series against a, a UC Irvine team that I know has been on the cusp of our top twenty-five in the preseason and then the first two weeks. Yeah, that that was loud to me. You know, I didn't expect that. Um, Washington, I'll tell you what. One thing I think we've learned here the first couple of weeks is that the the Pac-12 and the ACC both, um, I think, are deeper than maybe we thought. Because you've got, uh, you know, teams like Washington, um, Oregon's gotten off to this great start. You know, I think we still believe Washington State's going to be pretty solid. Um, USC's gotten off to a strong start. They're still undefeated after two sec. weeks. Can't believe I haven't even mentioned the Trojans. Seven and zero. Kudos to them, and we'll see them next weekend uh, uh, here in North Carolina. And they're and they're a solid team. You know, I mean, it's uh, uh, they've got some experience there now. And uh, you know, so all those teams I think look look improved. And then you know, the ACC we've we've talked about. You know, with Maryland being better and BC getting off to a strong start and playing UCF very tough this weekend. Um, you know, and and uh, I think I think the both those leagues, Wake Forest, I think looks looks solid. And um, I think both those leagues, you know, you're, you're talking about nine or ten teams that are going to compete for regional bids. Um, I think that's the storyline out of these first two weeks. Uh, that's a good point. I mean, NC State's got an injury issue with their center fielder, but they've they've played very well. I know Carlos Rodon threw well yesterday in a game where they ended up losing to uh, Coastal Carolina. But I mean, we we think pretty highly of Rodon. Yeah. Uh, and their their whole freshman class. I mean, Rodon had ten strikeouts in four innings, Aaron. So yeah, uh, he's he's been pretty good so far. And then Trey Turner, their other their freshman third baseman, uh, what do you have like four stolen bases on Friday? I think it was. He's hitting four forty. Uh, and then Brett Austin, their other impact freshman. So uh, they got on the coastal yesterday. Uh, they ended up losing the game, but Rodon strikes out ten in four innings, and they hit their other two top freshmen in the one and two holes in yeah. their lineup. So I think it tells you a little bit about the impact potential of NC State's freshman class uh, that they got off to that kind of start. Um, the other, I guess, the other team that we've has been on the edges of our top 25 so far, Mississippi State, uh, the Bulldogs, off to a good start so far. They really haven't necessarily got a, a – uh, they haven't played a top 25 team yet, so I guess we haven't, haven't – there's not quite a signature win necessarily to, to put them in there yet. And then Pepperdine, which you wrote about last weekend, and they win two out of three against Fresno State this weekend. Looks like the waves are for real. Yeah, they they are uh, they remind me a little bit of Maryland in that they're just you know um, they've got a strong middle infield and they they they've got some experience they're starting to believe in themselves a little bit and um, you know, they've got some depth on the mound I mean it's uh, and they both just seem to me like pretty darn solid college teams uh, and you know to to win series to start the year against Oklahoma and Fresno State that's that's uh, that's not easy I mean that that's pretty impressive I think Pepperdine has put itself squarely in 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 our you know in the mix for our top 25 spot. I mean, they're, they're in that group of teams that you have to consider now. So um, kudos to them. Well, we, it seems like the big thing was that next week, Aaron, uh, the first couple weekends, we've had a couple of big uh, series to watch and they've pretty much all involved Stanford. It feels like, but next week is really uh, the schedule is pretty stout. Uh, we, we've talked about a couple things with the, you know, uh, Southern California at North Carolina, but Florida at Miami. And then uh, the, the event down in, uh, in Houston, the Astros college classic, uh, is that kind of the big marquee for next weekend? Yeah, I think it is. I mean, South Carolina, Clemson, and, and, and the Houston College Classic, it seems like in week three, those two events are, are usually kind of the headliners. And uh, I think that's the case again this year. Florida, Miami also. I mean, that's a, it's a pretty good week. You know, you've got some, you've got some, good, uh, some good matchups there. 
Well, we'll, we'll obviously we'll talk about it again next week on the Baseball America College Top 25 podcast, sponsored by ATEC, the baseball training machine company. ATEC is committed to delivering tools to coaches to help train and develop players. Visit ATECsports.com to learn about training machines that can help make your practice more effective and more efficient. See training tips and practice drills from Vanderbilt head coach Tim Corbin and more on ATECsports.com. ATEC win every practice. Aaron, I think you won this podcast, and we'll talk to you again uh, next Monday on the next edition of the Baseball America College podcast. For Aaron Fit, I'm John Manuel. So long, everybody. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.